Welcome to the Random Article Horoscope, your source of scientifically proven, FDA-approved, guaranteed cures to all the ills you don't have. We begin with Aries. Aries, you enjoy citrus. You enjoy you enjoy a little bit of lemon squeezed over your salmon. You enjoy a little little lime in your G and T, and 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 you like chilies, right? What would a curry be without chili? Something with you know just something with a bit of something with a bit of kick to 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 really bite back. You like it when your food bites back. Which is funny, cause cause the thing about those foods that you, you your citrus and your curries and with your chilies is that is that those creatures, those plants, citrus and and chili, they're trying not to be eaten. That that intense bite, that sourness of the citrus, that's that's evolutionarily an attempt by the plant to be so painful and unpleasant to eat that animals won't do it. That's a defense mechanism. But in some genetic twist of irony, these characteristics have made us love to eat those plants. So the lesson in here, maybe, is that you, Aries, need to make sure that your defense mechanisms aren't just making you more delicious. But you can see it another way, because the thing about lemons and chilies is that they are now cultivated. There are plantations with rows upon rows of lemon trees and chili plants, which would never exist if it weren't for those defense mechanisms. Is that is that what is that what you want though? Like it's all those cows and and chickens and pigs who who only exist to be raised to be eaten. Those billions of voinkers in factories who would not be alive if they weren't so delicious. Is that a way to live? It's probably no good living for someone else's griddle. But um, but think on that, Aries. What effect is your defense mechanism having on your deliciousness? Are the things that you do to push people away having the desired effects? Taurus. Here is a list of games that Buddha would not play. Throwing dice, toy windmills, guessing a friend's thoughts, plowing with a toy plow. All, all of those, th- that's actually real. Look, look it up, that's actually real. There's a list of games that Buddha said he would not play. But Capricorn, a new manuscript will be discovered by you this February. And the list includes... Buddha, in his sequel to the classic original list, said that he will not play Connect Four. He will not play Twister or King's Cup. 
He will not play Mrs. Pac-Man. He will not play Roblox. He will not play Shrek Smash and Crash Racing. He will not do escape rooms. Buddha refuses to run around a baseball bat until he's dizzy. Buddha refuses to pull your finger. Buddha does not approve of ARGs of any kind. Buddha will not play I Spy with My Little Eye. And Buddha, more than any other, he made this abundantly clear, Buddha will not play Quidditch. Taurus, avoid these games. Gemini. Gemini, you know those, um, you know those ruffs that Elizabethan people wore, the old-timey people in the old-timey times? You know how they wore the, those large white ruffs, those fabric rings around their necks that look like, look like their heads are on fluffy dinner plates or something? Do you, do you know where that started, Gemini? Well, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. In the, in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, in the 17th century, uh, there were a bunch of aristocrats in the Herberstein family who, who, who started the use of, of these, of these ruffs. And the reason that happened was that there was a very nasty case of, of rabies, or the Austro-Hungarian slaver they called it this slaver just spread from aristocrat to aristocrat there were aristocrats amongst the aristocrats it was a real interspecies rabies nightmare that's how it started someone got bit by their little tabby and before they knew it just the eating of faces was just people just these well-to-do uh ladies in in dresses larger than than they are just 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 leaping over the tables to to eat the faces off their off their delicate suitors and their admirers and their 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 you know um it was just it was a nightmare so so the aristocrats thought okay well what do we do about this we're not going to put these afflicted aristocrats in in the in the lunatic asylums uh with the, with the common rabble um they have to be kept in the amongst their kind. So so they were kept around the the unafflicted but with the addition of these of these ruffs around their neck these these large large devices which were intended to to prevent the biting of faces. They they, they were more um they were more uh rigid these these original ruffs not quite as fluffy as and and, and limp as the, as the later ones but the originals um, that's what, that's what they were. They were, they were safety devices to prevent face-eating by Austro-Hungarian aristocrats. And Gemini, the, the reason I tell you this, uh, the reason this is your horoscope for February, is that, um, your dog's gonna get sick. Don't worry, nothing bad. But your dog's gonna get sick, and, and traditionally, like, after the treatment, your dog would have a, a, a plastic cone put around their head, but Gemini, you you could consider an alternative. You could get one of these 
classic Austro-Hungarian Elizabethan ruffs around your dog's neck, and it's a pun as well because of the you know the balking, the rough rough. So um, so if you want your dog to have all the style, grace, and funny face of an Austro-Hungarian rabies-afflicted aristocrat. Chuck, chuck him on Fido. Give him, give him a rough. He'll be the coolest dog on the block. He'll be the envy of all his peers, and he'll have you to thank. Gemini, that's your horoscope for February. Cancer. So here's a story from um, my mate Sid. So Sid, Sid, this this old mate of mine was on a hockey team, an ice hockey team. Um, you know how that works. They they put the the seal bone on on strapped underneath the feet, and and go whacking it around the the local lake when it freezes over. That's how well that's how we did it at the time. But but they were on this ice hockey team, and every every year, season after season. They they fought to win this ice hockey league, um, and this was a real social occasion. They all bonded. All of Sid's mates bonded. Undying friendships were forged on the ice, which which is a poor metaphor, um, uh, thermally speaking. But 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 Sid and his mates were these passionate ice hockey players, um, and they were immensely proud to win the premiership flag in their league each season. Because um, they often did. Sid had these these trophies lining his mantle. A whole, whole line of these ice hockey trophies, which, which frankly surprised me. Because Sid is pretty unco, to be honest. Like, I, I, I wouldn't trust him with a, with a chopstick, let alone a hockey, hockey stick. But, like, don't, don't tell him I said that. But... But Sid, you know, he loved this shit. Sid and his mates. It was an endless source of pride for them to bring home the trophy that said Premier's Division 1 Hockey Land Supreme. Division 1 being being the top division in the league. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes they didn't win the Premiership trophy, but they didn't mind. As long as they stayed in that top division, Division 1, it was an important part of their pride to be part of that Division one, but um, but one day, the manager approached them. This was this was the the Duchess of the Rink who managed all all the all the fixtures and finances and an emergency organ transplants that that happened daily on on a hockey rink, and and the Duchess said, "Congratulations, Sid, guys, you've qualified at long last for Division two next season." This, this is a true story. Um, and she said, congratulations, you're in Division 2 now. And, and, and my mate, Sid, w- was distraught. He, sa- he, said, he said, we've moved, we've moved down a rank? We've moved down from the top division? This is, this is terrible. I'm heartbroken. And the Duchess says, this is what she said. She said, no, no, you've moved up. Division 1 is the, is, is the bottom division. You, you, you know that, right? And Division 10 is the top. 1 is the bottom. You've moved to the second bottom, from, from the bottom. Cancer, have you ever seen a grown man cry? And I'm, I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not talking like a dignified, manly tear down a perma-stubbled cheek at a funeral. I'm, I'm talking like, 
uncontrollable weeping. I'm, ta I'm talking about great gushy torrents of salty grief juice just shooting out of the tear duct. So I'm talking about tears raining down on the rink, freezing before they hit the ice like the saddest hail you've ever heard. Sid realised in that moment that, that his pride in being one of the top-ranked teams in the province, all, all, all those premiership trophies on his mantle, they were a sad delusion. All of, all of the celebrations that he'd had with his mates over being the best were a lie. And, and he was just a mess, he was inconsolable, none of his mates, and, and, but, but the Duchess. Duchess looked at him and shook her head and said, Mate, mate, listen. First of all, being the best is a stupid goal. Because there's always someone better. Like, even if, even if you were the top in the province, there'd still be the national team above you and the Olympic competition above them, and, and, and the lunar hockey squad is pretty good these days. And, and of course, you know, the, the, the secret intergalactic, interdimensional hockey cabal is on a whole other plane, literally. Like, like 4D hockey shit, man. So, so listen, Sid, even if it was possible to get to the top to be the best ice hockey players in the world. W would you really want to be that sad fuck who sacrificed everything to be the best at hockey? No, no, you wouldn't, so don't. But all that said, listen, Sid, all that said, even if being the best still matters to you, somehow, you've just moved up one. So Sid and his mates had a drink that night, and they drank from their premiership trophies as cups, and they weren't the hockey champions they thought they were. But the drinks tasted just as good. Leo. Leo, so, so you're familiar with the concept of a star... I'm not talking about your astronomical, astrological, burning balls of gas. I'm talking about your idealized, Euclidean, geometrical, two-dimensional shapes, you know? Your, your 2003 PowerPoint, Microsoft PowerPoint, word art stars. I'm talking about that, ooh, stars. I'm talking vertices, I'm talking edges, I'm talking pointy, pointy points. I'm talking stars. Leo. Do you know what the different kinds of stars mean? See, they should have taught you that in school, but I bet they didn't. Let me tell you, all the different kinds of stars, with all the different numbers of points, they all have different connotations, different symbolic meanings. So, if you're talking about your, your five-pointed star, that's what's called a pentagram. And that's associated with, like, occultism, Wiccanism, Satanism, depending on who you ask. Uh, lots of different, lots of heavy meanings there. That's associated with, like, satanic panics that happened in, like, the 60s and whatnot. Symbol of evil in some eyes, but not in others. Uh, the the, the six-point hexagram star of David um, is, is, is the Jewish thing, of course. Um, and the seven-point star, uh, that's, that's from the Australian Southern Cross. 
actually. That's actually that's actually based on a unique actual astronomical star, which which is unique in having exactly seven points. They checked with a telescope. It's the only one. So that that's the Aussie one. Um, there's the there's the eight pointed star, which which is called a, an Ogdode in the Gnostic tradition. Um, so that's based on the idea of there being seven planetary spheres, uh, which all revolve around a, a central, uh, what, what's called an odd toad, and, and uh, a cosmic a cosmic amphibian god. Um, and, and over the years, that, that concept of an odd toad evolved into, into the term ogdode, which is, which is now the common term. Uh, the the nine pointed star is a is a Baha'i symbol, which is one of those fruity religions you might not have heard of. Um, they're good. They're, they're, they're not bad Baha'is actually. Um, uh, the, the ten pointed star is called a decagram, uh, and it's the eye of Odin as sacrificed at the roots of Yggdrasil to gain the knowledge of runic wisdom. Uh, the eleven-pointed star. That one's the symbol of uh, of Gali, uh, who, who is of course the the water bionicle. The the twelve-pointed star, and this this one don't tell anyone this, but the twelve-pointed star is actually two six-pointed stars on top of each other. They don't want you to know that, so like, shh, but like it's that's the truth. Uh, Thirteen pointed star oh Leo um, it's it's cursed it's very it's super cursed like like super duper cursed but Leo it's in your future this February you will face a 13 pointed star and Leo please prepare yourself Virgo Virgo, did you know that we exist in a binary planetary system? Did you know that? Do you, do you know, like, it's not visible with mortal eyes, but, but did you know that there's two Earths? Two Earths orbiting one another in space, spinning delicately around one another, constantly co-present, but never quite meeting, existing in a perpetual planetary ballet dance. Did you know that, Virgo? Two Earths. And there used to be more. Legend says, according to the to the ancient texts posted on Usenet forums in the mid-90s, there were once a thousand Earths. A thousand thousand Earths. Millions of them. But one by one, these Earths, by forces ill understood were pitted against each other these earths were taken into taken into pairs taken into some cosmic arena and forced to battle for supremacy these two earths clashed each person on the planet faced their counterpart from the other earth each animal, each nation, each system, each concept, philosophy, everything clashed to see what would reign supreme. And by 
force or by wit or by trickery, each earth fell to another, eliminating a planet one by one until only these last two remained. You might not remember, there's a whole, there's a whole memory field situation and, and, and such, but the point is, Virgo, this February, our planet will clash into its twin, its final twin. You know how, like, certain animals birth, like, a hundred young, and the young all fight each other and only one survives? That's what it's like, planetarily speaking. Earth is one last little youngling with only one competitor left, and if we can slay it, if you can slay your counterpart on other Earth, then we survive to reproduce, I suppose. I, I don't know how it works. But Virgo, get ready. Libra. So you might have had the concern uh, that, y that your blood is strawberry jam. You, you, must, you must have noticed if you accidentally cut yourself recently. Um, it's, it, it's, it's not blood. It's not what it should be. The, the stuff running through your veins is, is strawberry jam. Or at least you feel that way sometimes. Sometimes you feel like your feelings are fake. What if they were put there by someone else? What if they? What if you programmed your own feelings in, but then forgot you did it? What if you're deceiving yourself? What if every memory is false? What if everything you think happened never did? What if your limitations aren't real? What if the rules aren't there? What if one day you just forget that you can't walk through walls and you just and and you walk through a wall. What if you accidentally bent your hundred kegs? You just forgot. What if you forgot gravity? What if you ceased to believe in the force that tethered you to the earth? What if, what if that delusion that there was rules, what if that was the only thing holding you to the dirt? And what if for one moment you let yourself be freed from that delusion and you just suddenly drifted into space, flung off by the rotation of the planet? What if you just exited spontaneously the atmosphere? Well, Libra, you don't need to worry, because naturally it, it, it's a powerful evolutionarily selective mechanism where, where, where anyone who for one moment has the thought that, oh... The universe isn't real. Anyone who has that thought, well, let's just say that being flung into the vacuum is not good for reproductive success. Be anyone, anyone who successfully breaks out of that system of rules is immediately jettisoned into the vacuum, both physically, metaphorically, metaphysically, all, all, of, all of the... So don't worry. You, can't, you come from a long line millions of generations of organisms, none of whom have have thought their way into spontaneous non-existence. So statistically speaking, 
They say that past events don't guarantee future event outcomes, but statistically speaking, Libra, you're at least pretty safe. Scorpio. We all struggle sometimes with, with with getting the sheet onto the mattress, you know, like the elasticized fitted sheet that you're trying to get when you change on the mattress. And, and it, it look, it's hard to get all four corners of the sheet on the mattress at once. Like you, like you try and get one on and then you try and get another one, but then the other ones like slip off while you go around the other side of the mattress. So Scorpio, the, 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 there's a few options here. Um, one technique is to hook each corner of the sheet onto a different hand or foot, and then and you look like a little sugar glider. You look like some kind of flying fox with like a, with like a sheet skin between your your limbs, like some kind of pterodactyl wandered right out of out of out of Jurassic um, mattress store. And and you, so you can put you can do that with the with the sheet on corner on each bit, and then just body slam the mattress. Just snap every corner of the sheet on simultaneously. You could do that. You could you could devise all number of, of wacky, complex, Rube Goldberg machine Ian techniques. Oh alternatively you could just ask a friend. You can get it you can get it on quite easily uh with with someone else. Quite easily. Uh then you can go and buy a paddle pop uh, and 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 skip off skip off to the to the uh, uh, the bleachers to watch the game, but necessity is the mother of invention, and you could come up with all sorts of techniques working that fitted sheet thing out yourself. Uh, let's just say that you know people people don't develop groundbreaking sugar glider sheet application techniques. By doing things the easy way, you'd you'd be amazed what lone lunatics have accomplished. Just just incredible and and wildly unnecessary techniques uh, that no team ever could. So Scorpio, your horoscope is to relish in the creative potential of uh, of solitude, uh, but also to remember to go and get that paddle pop. Sagittarius, you know how wells work. You know, you know, you know when you got a thirst, when you got a mighty hankering for some of that H two O goodness. You know when you got, you dig a hole, you get your favourite shovel, shovel, you dig on down, you tunnel, you work, you sing a song, you dig till you get down to what's called the water table. This whole swimming little vesicle of sweet water right beneath your feet. Who would have thought? Water from the earth itself. Well, you dig down to the well and you drink and you drink, but soon enough, once you're drunk enough, the water goes down like Tantalus in Hades. The water sinks down, so you got to keep digging. you got to keep digging to feed your growing thirst, and the more you dig, the thirstier you get. 
soon enough you got whole whole tons of rock getting pulled out of the earth every day you got industrial scale drilling machines cracking down deep into the mantle braving the brimstone for rivulets of sweet sweet wet a seam of spring water hidden beneath a rock down with the ore down with the bones that's how it's working that's how it works that's the science that's true so you dig and you dig deeper into the crushing pressure of the earth's core and the heat of the magma makes you sweat all the more and it's getting crazy you're just drinking you're just chugging gallons at the same time your arms are blackened pulling out chunks with the shovel you dig deeper you dig deeper until the pressure seems infinite and then suddenly the floor just drops away from the bottom of your water mine the well just just opens up downwards and you see it's 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 a tunnel dropping down infinitely a well below yours as though someone's done all the work for you but there's a face a sweaty black and thirsty face looking up at you from your well and you say what are you doing at the bottom of my well and they say what are you doing at the bottom of my well? Because here's the thing, Sagittarius. There's always some other motherfucker on the other side of the world digging a parallel well. However deep you're digging, some other fucker's doing a concurrent, opposite, mirrored well situation. And if you dig deep enough, you'll meet... What's the moral of the story? What does it mean, Sagittarius? Should you dig the well? Should should you just go to the other side and just and just borrow the other person's well? Should you just drink Fanta instead? This this segment was sponsored by Fanta. Capricorn. Capricorn, you have a finite number of days being alive and that and that's hard to understand you've probably heard it before but try and really grasp the physicality of it there is a a mushy uncooked meatloaf in your chest cavity called a heart and every second of your life every moment your heart beats like a timer, like a ticking clock. It's like the footsteps of an approaching shadow, an unwelcome guest, but an inevitable one. It ticks, and it ticks, and it ticks, and it ticks, until one day, ding, it's fucking done. It's like a microwave, yeah? The timer stops, the heat ends, the heat goes away. And cosmic hands reach down and they remove you from the from the sweet embrace of the microwave of life. And gently, tenderly, they place your warm corpse, shroud-wrapped, like a baby, into the cradle of your grave. And it's cold down there. It's cold in the dirt with the worms. It's, it's quiet. 
All the heat from your microwave warmed life slowly cools. All the energy and memory in your flesh drips away into the darkness. So here's the thing, Aries. Here's your horoscope. Your your finite numbered days. Spend them in sunshine. Feel the warmth on your skin. Soak it in and store the heat. This this is literal. This is a literal just be under the sun. Feel every cell of your body to the brim with golden yellow until you start to photosynthesize. Fill yourself with warm before they put you in the dark. Because down there, in the cold, in the soil, that's all you'll have. Down in the grave you'll have no money, no status, no opinions from others. You won't even have your friends and lovers. You'll only have the memories of such to keep you warm. You'll only have the last bits of thermal energy from the sun. And that's actually how graveyards work. You know the reason why people are buried together in this big mass outside of town? That's because the proximity of all the graves in the coffins, it conserves the corpse heat. Like penguins, huddling in the Antarctic wasteland of the underworld. It's like, it's like those solar batteries. You know, you know like at solar farms now, they have these huge hunks of salt, these big rocks that get heated up in the day and, and remain hot all through the night? It's because it's salt just chemically, just naturally just stores heat, like forever. So make your heart the same. Make your heart a big chunk of salt and charge it up every day, relentlessly. Spend every hour in the sun, every moment you're alive. And sure, against the infinity of death, your finite heat has to run out eventually, right? No matter how much warmth you store, it's got to run out. Oh, Capricorn, have you ever heard of a, an asymptote. You ever, heard, you ever heard of Achilles and the tortoise? If the heat in your grave, mathematically, if it halves every day, from half the heat to a quarter to an eighth to a sixteenth, if it goes on like that, all through the infinity of death, it will never actually hit zero. So long as you've got some sliver of heat just lurking in that asymptote, stretching into infinity. As long as you have that, that little ray of sun, you'll have a sliver of warmth in cold death. Aquarius. Aquarius. So, um... So there's this story that you might have heard. I think it's a true one, uh, where where this giant disembodied face traps the population of Earth. Like millions of people, billions, are all stuck in a giant perpetual traffic jam. 
And every person on earth, like they live and they die in these tiny limited lives in their little hovering sedans over and over forever. Everyone exists in their cars in this traffic jam forever. And But the twist is, it turns out that the reason why the face trapped everyone in there is to protect everybody from crab people. Now, my mate Sid, he has a theory that the cosmic cycle of life and reincarnation on Earth, all of us trapped in the little limited car dimensions that we call our skulls, his theory is that, is that, that, is that, that those limitations on our lives, they are a trap that protect us from crab people. A lot of people want to, they want to free themselves from the cycle. They want to achieve enlightenment, break out of the perpetual traffic jam of existence, non-existence, re-existence. But you've got to be wary of the possibility of crab people. I'm not not saying don't break free, Gemini. Um, I'm not saying... I'm not saying not to break the chains that limit your perception to the mortal planes that reign in Spain. I'm just saying that if you do, if you do reach into the fifth dimension, make sure you have a crab contingency plan. Of course, my mate Sid has another theory. Another another theory about the crabs. He, he says, maybe... Maybe maybe the cosmic face isn't protecting us from the crabs. Maybe the cosmic face of God traps us in the gridlock of life in order to protect the crabs from us. Aquarius, maybe maybe the gods are scared of us. Maybe one day the time will come to, to fucking make some sushi out of Lucifer. You know what I'm saying? Sharpen, sharpen your seafood knives, Aquarius. Because the day's coming. We're going to find out. We're going to face the crabs. Pisces. Pisces... Do you ever feel like you're trapped in a cube? Cubes, cubes have, have a lot going for them. Cubes are very authoritarian, brutalist, efficient. They tessellate, you know? Easy to fill a hole with cubicles. Easy to stack them up like Lego, you know? Cubes are great to be trapped in. But why not, Pisces? Why not try new shapes? How about this? Crazy idea. Why not be trapped in a pyramid instead? Why not? Why not be trapped in a in a in a rhombical triangle? Why why not be trapped trapped in a truncated isosceles hemihedron? You know, get wild with the shapes. Get hashtag creative. Express yourself. You know, Pisces, you should trap yourself in the most colorful unique, expressive, dynamic box that you can imagine. Ephiakus. 
So as you know, um, the way eyes work is that the light hits your your lens uh, at the front of your eye, and the lens uh, uh, sends the light to hit your retina at the back of your eye, and that's where all of the processing takes place, and that's that's how you see from the retina sent up to the brain. Um, but the interesting thing about the lens is that the lens flips the image that you see. This is true. The, the, the lens flips the image upside down. So the image of the world that hits your retina is upside down. It's only in, in, in your brain or in the nerves, the optic nerves, uh, that, 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 that it's flipped again. It's like it, it's fixed in post, as they say in Hollywood. It comes in upside down, then it gets flipped by your brain. Now, hypothetically, if, Ophiuchus, you, you bypassed that little brainial algorithm, if you changed that function, if you short-circuited that microchip, you would see the world as it truly appears on your retina. The reality of the light that hits your retina is upside down. Now, now similarly, Ophiuchus, it's a, it's a little-known fact that we as humans actually perceive time backwards. And we don't have a special brainial function to, to compensate. Because in reality, in the real world, time runs from future to present to past. In reality, effects precede causes. Death comes before life. Milk comes before cornflakes. But if I guess our brains, that they, they, they automatically reverse that flow. They make it incorrect. Unlike the lens, it changes our perception to be wrong. It makes it seem like the past comes before the present, when it doesn't. Now, theoretically, we could change that. We, we, could, we could alter the, the widget tree in, in our central ophiacal pineal glands, and we could see the universe as it is. We could see the true flow of time from future to present to past. But Ephiacus, if you did, if you altered your perception to be true and accurate, Ephiacus, you would be very confused. You'd be very confused if you saw the way things really were with, with, with the birds returning to their eggs and things falling up and, 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 and with, with the Fruit Loops and whatnot. You'd be very disoriented if you saw the truth. You'd be almost as disoriented as someone who had their retinal image flipped to be accurate and upside down. So if I guess the point is that sometimes the truth and the reality uh, doesn't help you. It doesn't help you unless you're willing to work in a backwards universe. Thank you for listening to the random article horoscope. Uh, do do all of the things that you like to do, uh, and I'm not gonna tell you otherwise. Cheers.